millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Thursday, September 28th, 2023, the 982nd day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'm your moderator.substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free a couple days later on a wide variety of podcast platforms. And of course, Rumble, all I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderate. So last night... We were treated to, or maybe subjected to, the second debate in this fake GOP primary that we are seeing. Now, I say it's a fake primary because it's a fake primary. We have rigged elections. We have rigged elections in primaries. 
The Democrat Party, the DNC, they rig their primary elections. We saw that in 2016 with Bernie Sanders. We saw it in 2020 with Bernie Sanders. How do they pull it off? Well, they always get old Jim Clyburn to fire up the election fraud machine in South Carolina. They can't do it with the Iowa caucus because it's a caucus. And so, of course, the same easy election rigging system doesn't apply. New Hampshire is very small. South Carolina is that early primary that they always focus on. They rig it for the establishment candidate. They even tell the public that Jim Clyburn really brought out the black vote. And then the candidate who they tell you won South Carolina is now the candidate of black voters and black voters elect that candidate in all the primaries and then it's over. And if you argue with the process, well, then you're racist. The GOP tried to rig the Senate primary last year in Pennsylvania. They tried to do the same thing with the governor primary in Arizona, putting Karen Taylor Robeson up there. She was wealthy by way of her husband, had never really done anything. And then she was almost able to pull it off against Carrie Lake, who is by far the most popular politician in Arizona. And we saw how long it took them to rig the actual governor's race last November. It's important to remember that they rig elections, not just against Donald Trump. They rig all elections. It's not just the Democrats rigging elections for themselves over Republicans. It's the Uniparty rigging elections for the Uniparty, putting Uniparty right representatives and Uniparty left representatives in place in office so that they can advance the global agenda in the United States of America. They didn't just start doing it. They've been doing it for a long time. They've maybe even been doing it forever although maybe not to this extent. They do it all over the country at every level. They rig elections. That's what they do. And what they need in order to rig elections during primaries and during general elections is a narrative supporting the wins they have chosen. There has to be a reason that this or that candidate won in every instance, a plausible story that you can tell the public so that it's not immediately obvious to everyone that the election was stolen. And they created that for Joe Biden. Ask anyone who believes that Joe Biden got 81 million real lawful American votes, how that's possible. And they will say one of two things. They'll say mass mail-in voting. They were able to increase the turnout by so much that Joe Biden was able to generate that preposterously high number, even while campaigning from the basement. Even while reading the answers to the interviews he was doing over Zoom, even when he would go out and paint little circles on the ground, 20 of them and couldn't fill those, even when he and Kamala would do their first joint appearance in Arizona and a total of zero people showed up. Joe Biden still got the most votes of all time because of mail-in balloting and because everyone hated Donald Trump so much despite Trump increasing his own turnout by a full 20%. Even Barack Obama received fewer votes in his re-election than he did in his initial election. Trump received about 12 million more votes. 
and then got totally destroyed by the guy who campaigned from his basement. But it was all very real. It was all very real. And how do you know it was real? Well, mail-in ballots and because everybody hates Donald Trump. Those were the plausible stories. Those are the stories that still to this day explain how somehow Joe Biden could have won that race. And by the way, if you look back at the midterms and you ask them to explain how, for instance, Katie Hobbs beat Carrie Lake, they'll give you the same answers. Mail-in ballots and everybody hates Donald Trump. In fact, the conservative establishment right now is telling you that A, everybody hates Donald Trump and B, if we want conservatives to win elections next year, we need to ballot harvest and vote early and send in mail-in ballots to win the next election. We need to understand that everyone hates Trump so that we leave Trump aside. And then we need to support their election system in full. That is what the Republican establishment is telling everybody right now. That is what all of these candidates in the GOP's fake primary debate are telling everyone getting the election outcome. The regime desires is the easy part, getting the public to believe that the candidate they've chosen actually could have won. That's the hard part. That's the thing they have a hard time accomplishing when they don't have full control over the narrative and they don't have the ability to censor people like they did in the very recent past. And I'm not saying they don't have any ability to censor. Trust me. There are people out there who have been held back more than I have by the censorship regime, but there aren't very many of them. The point is that they need the story. They can rig the election really easily, but to convince everyone that the winner they've chosen really won, they need the story. So they're in the process of trying to create the story now. And we'll talk about some more of that in just a second. But I say that this is a fake primary because Donald Trump is the duly elected president. Now, we don't know the exact details. We don't know exactly what is going on with Donald Trump right now. It's hard to say. There are a lot of theories out there. I think a few of them have the ring of truth. I think a few of them have a lot of interesting insights. One of them, probably devolution, might turn out to be all or almost all correct. But it's pretty clear there's something else going on. Joe Biden did not win the 2020 election. There is no way in hell he received 81 million real lawful American votes, and there's absolutely no reason to believe he even could have. There has been no evidence showing that he did. We simply have to take people's word for it. Donald Trump didn't just simply give up. He never conceded. There are still active court cases and various election-related efforts Continuing to this day, in one way or another, he stepped back, he stepped away, he pressed pause for a little bit, and we may never be totally clear on exactly how far away he stepped, but it's not as though he's just going to turn the country over to an illegitimate usurper who exists to subvert America and allow it to become a fully captured part of the global regime, the liberal world order, that just simply didn't happen. 
Joe Biden is not a real president. He had a fake inauguration and he exercises some measure of power in the country, or at least that's what the central narrative suggests. But we've seen pretty clear examples of how it does not seem like Joe Biden wields the power of his office in any respect. And that is particularly true when it comes to the military which itself is suggestive that devolution or something very much like it is happening. Joe Biden is a fake president. I talked a couple of weeks ago about the reports on Ukraine and Elon Musk's effect on Ukraine that he had turned Starlink off or not turned it on in time, stopping a drone attack on behalf of Ukraine on Russian ships that would have escalated the quote unquote war in Ukraine and potentially brought us to the brink of World War Three or nuclear war. And I noted how absolutely ridiculous it is to believe that Elon Musk could have done that sort of thing as a private citizen, totally thwarting the desires of the fake president, Joe Biden, and his handlers in their proxy war in Ukraine, their defense of one of their strongholds of global criminality and corruption, a hotbed for human trafficking, drug trafficking, weapons trafficking, bioweapons labs, money laundering, and CIA-trained Nazi battalions. It's like it's the ancient homeland of this international mafia and private businessman Elon Musk prevented the global regime from launching their attack. He, as a private businessman, stopped the global regime in their war effort simply by not pressing the right button on a computer. That's what we're supposed to believe. And not only that, Elon Musk, as the highest recipient of DOD contracts, according to Cash Patel, who happened to be the chief of staff for the acting United States Secretary of Defense at the end of Donald Trump's term. Someone in a position to know who the highest DOD contractor is. So the private businessman who is also the largest recipient of DOD contracts stopped this global regime proxy war by not pressing a button and the real commander in chief Joe Biden just left him in that position for a year because we just found out about it a few weeks ago, but it happened last October. The very real president and commander in chief just left Elon Musk in place as the largest recipient of DOD contracts, despite him thwarting an effort in their proxy war. The one that same very real president supports all the time on television. And hey, not only that, not to tangent too far away from these debates, but not only that, Yesterday in Bloomberg, Elon Musk wins U.S. Space Force contract for Starshield. Elon Musk's SpaceX has received its first contract from the U.S. Space Force to provide customized satellite communications for the military under the company's new Starshield program, extending the provocative billionaire's role as a defense contractor. And I'm going to leave this aside. Maybe we'll cover it later in the week or maybe next week. But Elon Musk, the private businessman who, by the way, owns Twitter and turned it into X and everyone in the regime has freaked out about that for a year and a half and tried to shut him down again, tried to get him to censor more and it hasn't worked. 
that Elon Musk, private businessman, is getting new contracts from the very real president and commander in chief. Elon was out there the other day talking about space lasers. How come Joe Biden, the very real president and commander in chief, can't simply get rid of Elon Musk, enemy of the regime? And hey, while we're off on this tangent, I might as well add in this statement from Donald Trump yesterday in his speech in Michigan talking to the auto workers. And hopefully I'm going to get to some of this speech later. But let's go ahead and throw this part in right now just to really hammer this point home. That's because you know me. I didn't take a salary. I worked my ass off and we did a phenomenal job. We did a phenomenal job for this country. But for the first time ever, I never thought they indict their political opponent. And what that does is it sets off a, a chain of events that's very dangerous in future years. It could happen to them very easily. The reason Crooked Joe and his thugs are trying so hard to stop me is that in my first term, I disrupted all of it. Oh, did I disrupt? Was that, that was called major disruption. And in my second term, which we're sort of having now, but I don't want the results, right? I don't want the results of this second term. This second term is a disaster for this country. Worst president, think of it. There's never been a president like this. I say that. And he smirked while saying that it's his second term. Now, naturally, people will be like, well, if it's his second term, why are things going so badly? And I get that on some level, that is a legitimate question. And I will be addressing that question plenty in the future, I'm sure. That's not what I want to talk about today. The point is that Joe Biden is not really the president. Donald Trump is the duly elected president. And as soon as we get the real election results or something close to the real election results, that will be quite clear to everyone. And it's funny. It's worth pointing this out. I think it's funny that people think I'm saying something crazy by saying that Donald Trump is the duly elected president right now. But that is literally true. Joe Biden is not the duly elected president. Joe Biden did not win an election that followed the rules of an election. Now, you can argue an election was not held, that there was no election because the election was not held according to the law. It was not a lawful election. And I would be sympathetic to that idea. That may even be right in some technical sense. But the American people did go out and they did cast their vote to the best of their ability. So from the perspective of the people, an election was held and people did go out and vote in that election. And it turns out that way, way more people went out and voted for Donald Trump. And to even pretend that somehow the absentee votes and the mail-in ballots were all real votes from real people is a bit ridiculous. And the only difference between now, when me saying that makes people think I'm crazy, and the future when me saying that will be like, oh yeah, that was definitely true, is only a matter of what people choose to believe. The underlying facts are not going to change. At the point at which another 10 or 20 or 30% of America wakes up to the fact that our elections are stolen across the board at all levels everywhere around the country and have been for a while, I will still only ever have been saying that thing that they then understand is true. 
It doesn't become true when they believe it. It's already true. And if we cannot say the things we know to be true, then we cannot be honest people. Now, I say 10 or 20 or 30 percent because I don't really think it's more than that at this point. I don't think we're going to get to a point where everyone believes that all our elections are stolen. There's probably four to six percent of people in there who are lost forever and will go absolutely crazy and out of their minds. And we're probably somewhere around 60 or 70 percent. Rasmussen polls have had it this high for a very long time of people who understand that cheating affected the outcome of the 2020 election. All of that is with the public evidence that exists right now. Now, there are people out there who will say there is no evidence. And some of those people seem to be very astute and very smart and very professional, very dialed in. And they will say there's no evidence that that election or any other is stolen, despite, by the way, having claimed elections are stolen before. But saying there's no evidence is wrong because there's plenty of evidence. In fact, there's enough evidence to convince 60 to 70 percent or even more of the country that cheating affected the outcome. That's got to be a lot of evidence. That can't just be no evidence. These aren't just baseless claims that 70 percent of the country just happens to believe. Not unless they're all brainwashed. That's the only way to convince so many people that something so obviously ridiculous is in fact unquestionably true. If the people aren't brainwashed, then there's a real strong chance they're working off the evidence. And of course, people are working off the evidence. And so maybe there are 10 or 20 or 30 percent of people who will see a new piece of evidence or something inside them will change that will allow them to accept what they see right in front of them that there's no way Joe Biden received 81 million real lawful American votes and that the claim itself is so preposterous that eventually it will be a source of embarrassment for anyone who ever believed it. And at that point, all that will have changed is their belief. And they will say to other people, well, now that it's proven, no, it was always proven to some people and the people to whom it was proven are the ones who were paying the most attention to the issue. They're the ones who can make the argument. They're the ones who were making the argument despite the fact that society was set up to punish them severely for making the argument. Those people knew the entire time because it was proven to them, the people who were paying the most attention. In the future, it will be proven to just about everybody. But the underlying facts will not have changed. Only people's beliefs will have changed. And that is not the standard of whether or not something is true right now. So we have a duly elected president in some version right now of a second term. We have a fake president in office and all of the people who accept that Joe Biden really is a real president and commander in chief in the United States of America. And by the way, a bunch of those people believe that for money and they get paid to tell other people that it's true and other people actually believe it because they take it on authority from these communicators of the global regime, the mainstream media and the conservative incorporated influencers, the people supporting Ron DeSantis. They simply say that Joe Biden really is the president. Oh, you know, they stole it fair and square. It was the mail-in ballots. It's because everybody hates MAGA. 
They've been saying this for three years while convincing their audiences to ignore election fraud. The single most important issue in this country, perhaps outside of the currency. I always have to say that. And perhaps aside from the total debasement of our Constitution, of which, of course, the usurpation of our elections is part. But they have convinced their audiences to ignore election fraud, and they continue to support the fake president and his legitimacy. Biden does not have stronger supporters than people who deny election fraud. So all of those standard issue villagers, those people who believe they're in the middle, they will support the legitimacy of a clearly fake president because they a want to be taken seriously and B don't want to be punished in all the ways they've seen other people punished. They will tell you how important their job is or how important their platform is. They made the same excuses when it came to masks and lockdowns and vaccines and the very violent insurrection. They just went along with it. They didn't say, hey, no, that's not true. I actually will not allow anyone to claim that in my name. And I won't allow anyone to claim that in my presence because it is such a dangerous and malicious and obvious lie. They didn't do that. They told everybody how important their job was or how important their platform was or how much they needed to travel. You see, they're busy saving the country from the real threat, Donald Trump. Sure, I mean, the country was usurped in order to save it from that threat. But you need to understand how important their job is. And do you know how many followers they have? At some point, all of that is going to simply disappear when people understand the elections are stolen. And it is getting to that point. Maybe some major piece of information will change, but I think probably not. It'll probably be a rerun of a story we're familiar with that will have some sort of viral moment and it'll be a big thing online. And then Woody Harrelson will come out and make a joke about it. And everyone will except that they've been had when it comes to our elections. But Donald Trump really is that much of a threat. So we're just going to have to stay in power and maybe we're going to have to steal another election. When people finally accept it, it will not change the underlying truth in reality. It will only be a matter of them changing beliefs and probably not even on new information to them. People don't really believe Joe Biden received 81 million real lawful American votes. They will say that he did and they will obfuscate. They will redirect. They'll talk about something else. If you ask them, if they do that, you can understand. They know Joe Biden didn't get 81 million real lawful American votes and they're not prepared to defend it. So they're not going to change their beliefs on new information. They'll just change their beliefs based on social incentives. What does everyone think? Oh, now everyone thinks that our elections are stolen. Well, then, yeah, I understand that they're stolen. In fact, I've known it the whole time. And that is how people will be. And some of them might begin deleting their old posts. But most of them will probably just say everyone else believed it, too. It wasn't proven at that time. And they'll remain oblivious because this is their process of belief formation always. And they believe it's how everybody else forms their beliefs as well, because this is how beliefs are formed in the party of false decorum. It is a calculation based on image and how you will look, how you will be perceived. Is my professed belief 
going to impress the people I must impress in order to continue to ascend the rungs in the hierarchy within the party of false decorum. That is every calculation always. When you understand that, you can understand these people's motivations and how they will react in the future. This will continue until they leave the party of false decorum and begin thinking for themselves and taking responsibility for their own actions. Joe Biden is not in any important or historical sense the president of the United States of America. He is not the real president. He is the president on TV and in some people's minds, but history will never record Joe Biden as a legitimate president of the United States. That simply will not happen. Donald Trump was president and commander in chief of the military. He had access to the best information in the world at all times. And it is clear from the relations with other world leaders that they too know Joe Biden did not receive 81 million real lawful American votes. And that's why they don't take him seriously. So Trump doesn't believe Biden's legitimate. Other world leaders don't believe Biden is legitimate. And over half of America does not believe Joe Biden is legitimate. But the television continues to say it. And the people addicted to the central narrative continue to believe it. And all of those people think that we are still in some normal political landscape. The kind they've been told about throughout their lives, where the mainstream media is telling us what's actually happening in the country. They are giving us their analysis about the politics, and they know because they're the experts that everything they're saying is real and true, and that the underlying events they're talking about are real and true. Everyone still addicted to the central narrative, still in the party of false decorum, thinks all of this is normal. And so they are applying the same historical standards, the same modes of thinking about politics that they've been taught to believe and think over so many years. They're still applying all of that to these current situations. They believe that we are in a real primary leading up to a real election and that the circumstances, the situation on the ground now is going to be the same in 14 months when that very real election is held. We have had now well over two and a half years of this fake presidency. And during that time, people have woken up to how corrupt the government is and how much of what they've been told is a lie, how very fake so many of the aspects of our society really are. They've woken up to censorship. They've woken up to propaganda and they've absolutely woken up to election fraud. And that process continues all the time. In fact, it doesn't even slow down. It just gets faster all the time. So in 14 months, is it likely that more people will understand our elections are stolen and must be fixed before we can have legitimacy in our government? Or will it be fewer? It's going to be more. And it's not a question. It will definitely be more. We don't need to wait for it to be more, to understand that it will be more. The information only goes in one direction because that's what the truth is. And people are waking up to truth. People are understanding they've been lied to. And that is when they begin to understand the ring of truth. 
and they begin to acquire the ability to sniff out lies and then respond in the proper way rather than giving everything and everyone the benefit of the doubt and excusing away all of the inconsistencies in what they're being asked to believe. We can see Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Resetting the brains of Democrats and liberals on some of these issues. Is that going to stop? No, of course not. That will quicken as well. We can see what's happening in these disastrous debates. That's cluing people into just how important Donald Trump is. And then we have these indictments and various other court cases, various other reviews, plenty of different ways for people to come to all new understandings about whether or not our elections are stolen. There is no chance in the world that in 14 months, people are just going to believe unless anything in the system changes dramatically before then. But there's no way in 14 months, people are just going to believe we can get free, fair, legitimate election outcomes in this system. And so you really do have to account for what that is going to mean in terms of people's belief. And because we know the underlying facts won't change, but people's level of belief will, which world should we be choosing to live in? And I would suggest to you, it's the world of that future that you know is coming where people understand the claim that our elections are stolen across the board to be the truth. And knowing that to be the case and knowing that you know it now, why would anyone think it is a good strategy to go slowly on saying that or decline to say it at all? Will people take you more seriously in the future knowing that you hid some of the truth that you knew at this point? Of course not. Smart people want the right answer as fast as they can get it. That's why the sources of information and the standards of belief are so important. They have always been important. The brainwashing was to invert that. They would tell you that the issue is not important. Therefore, why would you waste all your valuable, precious time that you could be using to watch TV on figuring out whether or not your country had been usurped? or whether or not that disease you're told is very deadly actually is and would warrant injecting yourself with an experimental substance. Don't burden yourself with such thoughts, not when you could be watching the NBA finals. Simply take it on authority that the vaccines are safe and the disease very deadly. Take it on authority that Joe Biden received 81 million real lawful American votes. Take it on authority that masks work and that Trump supporters staged a very violent insurrection. That will lead to a good society. If you just take it on authority, believe them. Sure, these might sound like important issues, but we already have the answers. So don't burden yourself with such thoughts. Smart people want to be right as soon as they can be right about the most important issues so they can make the best possible decisions. That is literally something people get paid so much money to be able to reliably do. If you can be right faster than everyone else reliably, you are probably going to be a very wealthy person. And the difference between people being able to do that and not do that is often the social incentive for them saying what they think or not. Think about how held back we are as a world because of that. 
and then replicate that across a society and think about how held back we are as a world because of that. Because that's exactly what's happening right now. If everybody who knew Joe Biden was a fraud was out there every day saying that Joe Biden was a fraud, other people would realize they can say it too. And what would we have? We would have virtually everybody out there saying that Joe Biden is a fraud because it's that obvious. It's like a grass is green type of obvious. And the reason people will pretend that's not true is because of the same incentives that lead them to pretend Joe Biden really got 81 million real lawful American votes because of mail-in ballots and because everybody hates Donald Trump. So Trump is duly elected. Biden is clearly fake. The propaganda and censorship are wearing off. Donald Trump is going to have more than ample opportunity to show the world that the elections are stolen and that the insurrection was actually carried out by the regime, including members of the Republican establishment. And we are supposed to pretend that we are still having normal political times, just like any other political times in our history, because the TV keeps saying it. And because the people out there in the party of false decorum, many of whom have a lot of money, and a lot of power and a lot of cultural influence, they still say it and say they believe it as well. And that's it. There's nothing else there supporting that version of reality. And so we should simply let it go because it's not real. Not because of a calculation, by the way, because it's not real. For all the people who say, why do you always say things aren't real? This is why I'm saying these things aren't real. Their belief will flip when the incentive for that belief and the punishment structure for that belief flip. As soon as that happens, everyone believes the other thing. If you were on the side of the non-believed the entire time, you are just right now. You know that is going to happen. You are better off simply being right now. The underlying substance, the underlying facts, the underlying truth value will not change. It will not become true. It already is true. That means the other thing is false. If you construct a world out of all those other things, that's a false reality. When you then begin generating events and supplying characters that will buttress that false reality, none of what that stuff is becomes real. It only exists to buttress that same false reality. And by that standard, these events are entirely fake. These debates are fake. Now, the good thing about this awakening moment is that it actually doesn't matter what your view is on whether or not these events are fake. I call them fake because once you understand that they are, it's very easy to see through the entire thing. It is a lens through which to look. If you consider that something might be fake and cannot prove that it's real, you should probably bias toward that thing being fake. If there is not enough reason to believe that something is real, you should probably bias toward that thing being fake. That's why I've talked so often about default explanations. Do not accept the default explanation from the media. Just because everybody believes it does not mean that that should be your default. Your default should be abstaining from any given belief until ample reason has been supplied. So if you understand that our elections are rigged, then in some way our elections are faked. In the only way that matters, our elections are fake. 
We go participate in a system and through our participation, we believe that the system is real, but the system isn't doing the only thing relative to our participation that really matters. It's not counting our votes accurately one by one by one by one, which means that the results of the election are fake. Now, how can you have a real election with fake results? Because creating the results is the point of the election. And if the results are fake, then the process that created the results are fake. So you participated in a fake process of creating fake election results. What part of that is real? Unless the election system is changed completely, we will have a fake primary and then a fake general election. Now, at some point, we may be provided reason to believe that the election is real. Maybe election fraud is exposed. Maybe a different system is put in place with hand-marked paper ballots on a single day. They are hand-counted under full review, voter ID, whatever. There are a lot of aspects that people bring up. Most of them are very smart. Some of them aren't. But then any citizen could audit or review each and every vote, and we would be absolutely sure that the election system could produce a proper result. That could happen, and then we will have real elections. It's also possible that that doesn't happen, and then at some point the entire country demands very serious, specific forensic audits. And maybe there's some way that the process plays out like that. Maybe Trump has announced the winner, and the entire left flips out and thinks that there has been a fraudulent election, and they beg us for a review. There are lots of ways this could end, and I don't pretend to know which way that'll be, but I do know that unless something changes... We are headed for fake elections. So the Republican candidates contesting Donald Trump are trying to win a rigged primary in order to win a rigged election. We can't pretend that they're as ignorant as the standard issue villagers who we work with or see at a bar. These people are in the mix. Some of them have been in the mix for quite a long time. They are very close to systems of power. They know how it works. They know elections are rigged and it's possible that they believe their job vis-a-vis the regime is to best convince the American public that they could really win races. That is entirely possible that politicians believe what it is to win an election is to be convincing enough to have the regime hand it to you or to be convincing enough that the public believes in the outcome the regime will give them. But they are looking to win a rigged primary and then looking to win a rigged general election. Each and every one of them, in one way or another, has done their part to help cover up the fact that the regime decides the winners of elections and they don't care about the votes of the people. It is implicit in their running, and many of them have said it explicitly, including Ron DeSantis, that they accept the results of the last few elections, and they support the legitimacy of the reported winners. Now, we also have legal efforts in states across the country to try to remove Donald Trump from the ballot based on some strange reading of the 14th Amendment that will not pass court muster, but might convince a secretary of state in a given state to take Trump's name off the ballot in the primaries, allowing the Republican establishment to steal the primary and the nomination for someone else. And then Donald Trump goes third party or write in probably with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. As I was the first person anywhere really to say. So the elections are rigged and that won't work. 
They're indicting him and that won't work. They're censoring and that won't work. They're trying to get him taken off the ballot so that maybe that will work. And perhaps the GOP establishment just plans on telling Republican voters that Donald Trump really did stage an insurrection and deserves to be taken off the ballot, or they just can't fight hard enough to keep him on. How is that going to work? So at every stage of that, you have an indication that the primary is going to be fake. They're not trying to deliver the result that the voters actually create themselves. Elections exist to produce the results that the voters create. If the election can't do that, it's a fake election. If things remain as they are, we can plan on a fake primary and a fake election. And we have a fake president and we have a duly elected president. And in the future, that will just be accepted knowledge. It won't be questioned. It'll be accepted knowledge. So knowing all of that and knowing that the election system can't be relied upon to produce a real result and understanding that if 75 or 80 or 90 percent of the country understands our elections are stolen, then the result they produce will not be accepted by the people regardless. And then where are we? You're just going to convince 70 or 80 or 90% of the American public to just keep pretending. There is no way that the path we are on can continue and end up in the place where all of this is just a normal accepted election, the system functioning as we've always known it, which is why it makes absolutely no sense for everyone to continue analyzing it as if it was. And it makes even less sense for anybody to be participating in it. And that's the environment in which this debate last night actually exists. And you can practically see it on the stage. Even normies are realizing it. Even standard issue uniparty right villagers could understand that something was wrong last night. And so let's talk a little bit about the fake debate itself. Here is the fastest way to summarize what happened in the debate last night. We're going to listen to a few short clips, and here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to analyze the political consequences of the things that these people were saying because they're not real candidates, and it's not a real primary, and they're not even really talking about real issues. They're just relaying some platitudes and repeating some slogans about some issues that are talked about on Fox News. Do they get into the important stuff? The Trump indictments, the fact that our elections are stolen? No, of course not. Having any discussion about any of those things would clue the entire country into the fact that it's all a big lie that's been perpetrated on them by news outlets like Fox News. Now, I'm going to play this clip first, because if you want the Cliff's Notes version of this debate, here it is in like 12 seconds. Please to the grandstand. The next question If you want the summation of the fake GOP primary debate last night, that's it right there. That moment probably happened 40 times in the two hours. They would just talk over one another without stopping, trying to be the person that everyone else would shut up for so you can just keep going and get your time out there. 
its seven pointless, pathetic also-rans to the extent that any of it's real, and it's probably not. But on the surface, that's what it is. Seven people with zero chance of becoming the Republican nominee, trying to talk over one another and answer a bunch of fake questions by Fox News. How fake? This fake. One of you on stage tonight should be voted off the island. (laughs) Please use your marker to write your choice on the notepad in front of you. 15 (laughs) seconds. Starting now, of the people on the stage, who should be? I'm absolutely serious. With all due respect, I mean, we're here, like, you know, we're happy to debate, but I think that that's disrespectful to my fellow competitors. Nobody wants to participate. There is Ron DeSantis, brave enough to stand up against the television. Dan Bongino pointed out that Chris Christie actually started writing down an answer. Absolutely no dignity in that man's body, no matter how big his body is. You would think that maybe he would have grown a little dignity somewhere in that hefty carcass, but no, no dignity anywhere. But Ron DeSantis will stand up and say, excuse me, Fox News script readers, blonde lady with the very sharp features who was at the Clinton Global Initiative last week. Strange old British guy who's pointless and Hispanic sounding lady. Oh, we're going to appeal to the Latin audience. Yes, Fox News. Is that what you're doing? Are you just basically MSNBC now? Yeah, you are MSNBC. They ask a bunch of people pretending that they are running for president. And that is what these people are doing. Ron DeSantis just called them contestants as if this is all a game show. Out of respect to my fellow contestants. Hey, Ron, you're all pretending to run for president. Why didn't you say candidates? Or why didn't you say, this is really beneath us. We are trying to run for president. We're taking this seriously, even if you on the news aren't. Now, it's worth noting that Ron DeSantis did the exact same thing last time when they were asked about climate change. He didn't want anyone to have to give the answer to the question. He didn't want anyone to have to raise their hand. So he stepped in and said, I don't think any of us should be participating in this. And Vivek Ramaswamy took advantage of it last time and ran straight over him. Now, if this was a normal setting and if we were talking about people who seriously wanted to lead the country out of a patriotic urge and an urge towards service, believing that they were best equipped to do a very, very difficult job, then a question like that absolutely would be beneath them. And I suppose there is one exception to that case, and that would be if you're about to nail one person really hard in a very, very funny way, then jump all over that question. And that's exactly what Donald Trump would have done. If that situation happened and Trump was on that stage while everyone else was writing down a name, Donald Trump would say something like, it's Chris Christie and everyone here knows it. He's too fat to be elected. And I say that because Barbara Walters actually asked him that question once. She asked him if he was too fat to become president. And he said, ah, that's ridiculous. 
So Ron DeSantis stepped up and protected his fellow contestants. And it's interesting because Ron DeSantis's people before, during and after the debate were complaining about how many people were on that stage. They are upset that anyone is challenging Ron DeSantis. And it's now a part of the public conversation where the anti-Trump people out there are wondering how they are going to find someone to take down Trump when none of these people can even outperform one another. Ron DeSantis, for all his hype, has now lost two debates out of two debates. He underperformed in his governor debate last year with Charlie Crist, and he's about to go debate Gavin Newsom, apparently. And everyone in Con Inc. Media seems to think that Ron DeSantis is going to wipe the floors with Gavin Newsom, but I don't see how anyone could substantiate that at this point. Ron DeSantis has done nothing to distinguish himself from Doug Burgum, Chris Christie, Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, Tim Scott, and Vivek Ramaswamy. Ron DeSantis does not even have 50% of the non-Trump vote. People need to understand that. Ron DeSantis isn't even a prohibitive favorite among the people on that stage. And even if he dealt with all of them, he is still nowhere close to Donald Trump and he can't deal with all of them. He's supposed to be debating Gavin Newsom in order to raise his public profile and convince the country that there is actually this new generation of Hot young political leaders, Newsom and DeSantis, the ultimate rivals, the perfect controlled opposition dynamic. They are trying to promote that and Ron might lose that debate as well. In fact, Gavin Newsom has been talking about that. And the fact that Ron DeSantis did so poorly in that debate last night makes it even worse. Let's listen to a couple of clips from one of the worst communist governors in all the land who is still going to clean up on Ron DeSantis. That's how bad Ron DeSantis is at all of this. This week we learned that it's going to happen, a debate between you and Ron DeSantis, November 30th, Fox News Channel, Sean Hannity yeah. in Georgia without a crowd, yeah. uh, just the two of you. Why are you doing that and what is your strategy? Well, I, it's, I don't know if that's the right question. Why is he doing it is the right question. He's running, I think, I'm not sure after tonight. But currently, he's running for president of the United States. Uh, and yet he wants to debate. Be, you think he'll still be a candidate on November 30th? That's an open-ended question. Part of me wonders if, you know, uh, the fact that he took this debate, the fact that he took the bait in relation to this debate, shows that he's completely unqualified to be president of the United States. That's my humble first why personal opinion. Why is he debating him with the debate? Of course. I mean, why is he debating a guy who's not even running for president when he's running for president? He's showing up at the Reagan Library, hollowed ground, and he puts out an ad today, not for his presidential campaign, to promote a debate against the governor of California? I mean, this guy's distracted. So I don't know that he has it in his heart. I think, here's my personal opinion about Ron DeSantis, he regrets running for president. Mm. He made a huge mistake. He listened to his consultants. He bought his own hype. He had this little God, God complex. I mean, look at the ads themselves. Literally, God created. I mean, he bought into all this stuff. And he quickly regretted it, but he's stuck. And here's the problem. He had one chance of first impression. He's belly flopped. He's down 30 plus points from where he started. So it's a, it's a terrible situation for him. I literally was censored by the state of California and can prove it in FOIA documents 
for talking about what the California Secretary of State did to my voter registration at a Gavin Newsom recall petition drive I was hosting and promoting. It's hard to find someone who loathes Gavin Newsom more than I do. And he was exactly right. Ron DeSantis is an embarrassment. Is it kayfabe? Is he doing this as a pro-Trump red team op to expose all of the rhinos out there? I suppose there's still some chance that's true, but he has then sacrificed his entire career to do it. That would be amazing. Maybe Trump will redeem him at some point, and maybe we will all thank Ron DeSantis till the cows come home, but it sure doesn't seem like that. It sure seems like Ron DeSantis is playing a game that no longer exists and that everybody can see it. And it's not only Ron, it's everyone around him and everyone in the conservative establishment. Republicans, old school Republicans are seeing this and wondering what in the world is going on. Ron DeSantis is going to go try to beat up on Gavin Newsom. Gavin said it. Why is he debating someone who's not even running for president? It's absolutely embarrassing. And the graphics his campaign made, Ron DeSantis in his sunglasses talking about revival versus decline. It's a clown show. But Gavin Newsom wasn't even done. Listen to this. This debate. I mean, this is the XFL. This is JV. I mean, honestly, I mean, this is maybe, maybe a vice presidential debate. These guys are getting lapped by Donald Trump. It's not even close. It's not even interesting. And I think what's most interesting to me is, do they recognize that? Or are they actually going to show up and run against the guy that's in the way of their prospects to be the nominee? It's a zero-sum game. It's a binary choice at the end of the day. It's not a ranked choice voting. So either these guys come after the front runner and distinguish themselves, or otherwise they're wasting everybody's time. And I say this with love and respect. There's a reason some of the advertising is being discounted for this debate. People don't even want to tune in because they know that fundamentally. And Gavin Newsom is referring to the fact that Fox News was selling advertisements for less than 40% of what they were selling for last time because there was so little interest in this debate. Ron DeSantis cannot even get Republican voters to show up to their own couches to watch him. And we are still supposed to pretend that Ron DeSantis is somehow going to take down Donald Trump or and maybe more hilariously, there are people out there who are aware that Donald Trump is going to beat Ron DeSantis and still think that Ron DeSantis is somehow a better choice, that Ron DeSantis would actually be the best choice. It's all preposterous at this point. And of course, it's all premised on Ron DeSantis being able to win a rigged election. But before the debate, during the debate, after the debate, they were talking about how Ron DeSantis needed to be up there against maybe one or two other people so that he could distinguish himself and make himself the front runner to then go head to head against Donald Trump as if he'd somehow fare better at that. All of these fantasy scenarios just popping up right now. We need to get rid of some of these candidates. Some of these candidates on stage are not serious. That's the claim coming out of the Ron DeSantis camp. Ron DeSantis is not serious. The entire thing is fake again, but Ron DeSantis cannot be considered the serious candidate of these candidates when he can't even get 50% of the non-Trump vote and he's getting beaten by 50 and 60 points. 
We're being told mostly by DeSantis simps that the other candidates aren't serious. Maybe it should be Ron up there and then they'll choose who else. Oh, Nikki Haley. She's the serious one. The most pro-Ukraine person on the stage. The person who is the biggest and most vocal globalist and neocon on that stage. That's who we need. She's the serious one. And maybe we can keep Tim Scott up there. Maybe we'll keep Mike Pence up there as a favor. But Doug Burgum, nobody knows who he is. He's got to go. And Chris Christie's got to go. I mean, Chris Christie is only in the race to say bad things about Donald Trump. So people like Ron DeSantis don't have to. That's how the teamwork works. They all hit him in slightly different ways so that none of them can be painted as truly anti-Trump when they are all helping to support the legitimacy of Joe Biden and pretend that Donald Trump actually lost that election and Joe Biden really received 81 million real lawful American votes. So we're going to get rid of two of them. You can't get rid of the black guy. You can't get rid of the Indian lady neocon. You can't get rid of Mike Pence because he was vice president. The only other guy you can get rid of is Vivek Ramaswamy because certainly Ron can't leave. Ron is the most popular of all these people. And boy, would they love to get rid of Vivek. Vivek last night actually said he believes Donald Trump was an excellent president, which is something the rest of them are pretending is not true. Now, Vivek is out there lying about election fraud, and he is terrible on plenty of other things. I would never in a million years support Vivek Ramaswamy, and I don't think he should be in a Trump administration either. But at least he's the least bad of these people, or maybe Doug Burgum is. Who cares? Amusingly, though, there are plenty of people saying that Doug Burgum actually won the debate last night, and maybe he did. But they are literally fantasizing scenarios that would allow Ron DeSantis to perform better, and they're not coming into reality. They want other people to quit so that Ron can look better. They want Ron to debate Gavin Newsom, believing the country will actually watch this and they will be sold on the fact that Ron DeSantis has done amazing things for Florida while Gavin has destroyed California. And somehow that's going to convince them that Ron DeSantis can actually win the general election next year. Because again, that's what all this is about. They're trying to create a story, a plausible story about how it's not going to be Donald Trump and it's going to be someone else. All Joe Biden had and all they gave him, all Joe Biden required was telling people that it was the mail-in ballots and enough people hated Trump. Because the truth is all those people in the party of false decorum, they all hate Trump. And those are the people with the cultural power, the wealth, and some of it institutional power. So they can enforce their position and they all hate Donald Trump. So they tell everybody else about how everyone hates Donald Trump and everyone should hate Donald Trump. And because they fill all of American culture with that notion, people believe that notion is legitimately popular and they will express the belief in certain situations even though they themselves do not believe it. This isn't an unusual situation. It happens all the time. All of us have been guilty of it before. We will express a belief as a signal to other people to show them we are the sorts of people who believe in this sort of thing. People do not like to go against the grain, especially on things they don't really care all that much about. 
Oftentimes, they're happy to simply say the thing that will move things forward without problems. They need a story to be able to support someone else other than Trump winning the nomination, and they're having a really hard time doing it. Washington Post reporter Robert Costa tweeted out last night, lots of angst tonight among my top GOP sources about this debate. Donors concerned, flurry of texts, questions about where this race goes from here. They wonder, can anybody have a breakout moment? Meanwhile, Trump all but ignores the scene and shrugs off his indictments. And yeah, he sure does. And he's also going to shrug off the next fake GOP primary debate in Miami in November. Oh, we're going to hear about how it's Ron DeSantis' home state. And he's done such a good job there. Everyone will talk about what a good job Ron did in Florida. And Ron will whine over and over and over again. Here in Florida, we got the job done. Here in Florida, we never back down. Here in Florida, we are the state where woke goes to die. It's actually crazy how whiny the guy is. He really is so whiny and he can't stop shaking his head. He can't stop licking his lips. He can't stop trying to reshape his own smile for the cameras. And of course, last night he was caught during a commercial break, leaning forward in the most ridiculous looking manner to have the sweat padded off his face and his makeup corrected. Now, I know that's what happens in television productions, and I know that's not the most important thing when it comes to presidential candidates, but I also know that Ron DeSantis is a dork. He's kind of a goober. He's just a whiny little bitch. He acts as though he's entitled to something, as do his supporters, and they say, Trump can't be entitled to the nomination. Why are you guys all acting like Trump is entitled to the nomination? Well... It's because he's up by a million billion. And also it's because he's the duly elected president and each and every one of you is a retarded traitor. So yes, we're operating in the real world. That is why Donald Trump is entitled and Ron DeSantis is a traitor. I don't know what's complicated about that. It's pretty damn simple, actually. And everyone has come to realize this. I said this would happen. Ten and a half months ago, when Donald Trump issued and whispered his first desanctimonious, the DeSantis simps erupted in an ape-like rage, and all of the establishment uniparty right villagers and Republican normies who don't actually pay attention to anything but have extraordinarily strong opinions— they all got very upset at Donald Trump. Oh, he was being so immature. He's going to cost us the election. He's going to hurt the party. Now everyone just sees Ron for exactly who Ron is. And Ron is an embarrassment. And the donors are dropping out. We talked about Ken Griffin the other day or maybe last week. He's out. I'll read the tweet from Costa again. Lots of angst tonight among my top GOP sources about this debate. Donors concerned, flurry of texts, questions about where this race goes from here. They wonder, can anybody have a breakout moment? Meanwhile, Trump all but ignores the scene and shrugs off his indictments. Hey, Bob Costa, it's kind of interesting that all your top GOP sources feel angst about that debate. You're telling us that none of them are Trump supporters. But hey, I know you're a very good reporter. Everyone has realized that Ron is not a believable replacement. 
All talk of winning is irrelevant. It is a fake primary. All that matters is that he is a believable replacement and the country has learned that he doesn't even rise to that standard. Joe Biden could be believed by enough people, apparently. But no one, no one on the left or the right would believe that Ron DeSantis could beat Donald Trump in a fair primary election. No one believes that. Isn't that incredible? Even the donors can see it. Even the uniparty right villagers are checking out. Ron DeSantis is actually just that bad. It's no one's fault. MAGA didn't do this to him. He's just this guy. He's not impressive. You got tricked. Just like you got tricked on the masks and the lockdowns and the vaccines and the idea that Joe Biden received 81 million real lawful American votes. It's you, Ron supporters. You're the problem. You've been told countless times. All you got to do is decide to listen and all of the noise stops. Stop listening to the Daily Wire. Stop listening to the blaze. Stop listening to all of them. They are steering you down the wrong path. The fact that you believe Ron DeSantis has any chance at all is a product of the fact that you are being so misled. How else could this possibly happen to you? You're a smart person, aren't you? You have conservative principles, don't you? So how does it happen? It's because you're listening to liars. They are lying to you for a reason. They are taking advantage of you and you just keep giving them your money and attention. You just can't stop handing it over to them no matter how many times they lead you to the wrong conclusions. Ron's not the guy. You don't need to wait for the television or Dave Rubin to tell you that. Robert Costa went on this morning. Scoop slash news. Push for Yunkin 2024 now taking shape as donors and Republicans grow alarmed. Red Vest Retreat, October 17th through 18th in Virginia Beach. The red vest is the thing Glenn Yunkin always wears. Ron's always in his blue vest. Billionaire backer Pedderfee assures me money would be there. Bill Barr telling him to put his oar in. All of the people who've supported Ron are looking for someone else to support. Certain people are still sticking with Ron because what are they going to do? Admit they've been wrong this whole time while they've spent the last year making the argument that Ron DeSantis is the only person who can defeat Donald Trump and then defeat Joe Biden. They're going to need an external event that makes it impossible to continue supporting Ron so that they too can move to Glenn Youngkin and then eventually to Mitt Romney as a third party candidate. Maybe they'll even sink as far down as a Liz Cheney or an Evan McMullen. They will go for anything but Donald Trump. We have seen this pattern before. They were the Lincoln Project before. Now they're just going to be the Ron Project. And who said that almost a year ago? Oh, hey, that was me. If you had simply believed it then, you wouldn't have to be thinking all this now. It's not like you weren't told. Same thing applies to election fraud. The underlying facts aren't going to change, but people's beliefs sure will. When will they change? When the cultural incentives change. The underlying facts will never be any different. It's just going to turn out once again that you will be one of the last people to learn what is obviously true to everyone else. That doesn't make you a smart person. 
And considering how many of your ostensible principles you violated to remain in this position, it's not saying a lot about your principles. How are the DeSantis simps going to respond to this dynamic? Well, they're going to go crazy. And that, of course, is what they're doing. They are trying to shuffle Ron DeSantis from off this political coil. More reporting by Greg Bluestein from NBC News and the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The search for other people is very real. Trump's former national security advisor, John Bolton, told Costa Reports, recounting how he went to Atlanta in August to try to recruit Governor Brian Kemp, but left unconvinced he would do it. Kemp has ruled out a run. So Kemp gone. Abbott, there was never any chance. And it's very unlikely that Glenn Youngkin will have the chance, Costa tweets. Ballot deadlines loom, as nonpartisan elections expert Josh Putnam explains. And scrambling for delegates is a very tough business, especially in a party dominated by Trump. And he attaches a passage from his article today. The ballot deadlines would present huge hurdles for Yunkin. He would likely miss some key contests in Nevada and South Carolina, which have October filing deadlines, forcing supporters to scramble to get him on the ballot in delegate rich states holding primaries throughout March, beginning with Super Tuesday on March 5th. If he misses some, it's going to compromise the number of delegates he'd be eligible for. The nonpartisan elections expert Josh Putnam told me. While there are some contests after April 2nd, there are not too many heavy hitters after that. Putnam went on. That's only the ballot deadline part. Getting folks in line to be delegates in these states is going to be another tough logistical nut to crack. So now they're running out of alternatives. Who is it going to be? Are we going to end up seeing the RNC simply announce what it really is? A private corporation who exists to run political candidates for office, an organization that aside from its bylaws and its own declared public standards really doesn't have to make Donald Trump their nominee, even if he does win these elections. Because what does that mean? This is why they talk about delegates and why they talk about being able to shift delegates. We saw that throughout 2016 with Clinton and Bernie. It would be very appropriate in the course of this story about reality we are witnessing to see the GOP simply declare that they don't care about the voters at all and they are just going to choose their own candidate and it will not be Donald Trump. That would be quite appropriate. And who knows, maybe we will see that. They want other candidates to drop out so that Ron DeSantis can just take the mantle for himself. It's him against Trump head to head. But they're not doing that. There's going to be another debate. Ron will fail to distinguish himself once again because Ron is incapable of distinguishing himself. None of them will be able to because none of them can actually talk about the things people care about the most. None of them have the capacity to convince any MAGA voter about any of it because they lie about election fraud. They lie about the most important issues continuously. And we were told Ron was different, but Ron's not different. Ron cannot talk to the American people. He cannot talk to MAGA because at the very, very roots of what he represents is the real big lie that Joe Biden received 81 million real lawful American votes and is a real legitimate president. Anyone supporting that notion by this time next year has absolutely zero chance of ever having a career in politics again. Because no one will ever believe them again. And people have to believe them to believe that they could win. They can't have any supporters when everyone 
everyone on both sides knows they lied about the most important thing in the country. They can't get rid of everybody else to elevate Ron. They can't even really get rid of Ron to replace him with someone else who could then be elevated to come in late to seem like a savior. The media would go through the whole thing. Glenn Youngkin is bringing a new sense of business acumen and seriousness and energy. Ron DeSantis is an excellent governor of Florida, but it just doesn't seem like he has what it takes to compete on the national stage. Not right now. He can't attract the Trump voters. Part of that was his online campaign, blah, 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 blah. And there'll be some reason that they give that Glenn Youngkin is now the guy to beat, despite not campaigning for any of this time. Despite most of the country having absolutely no idea who Glenn Youngkin is, he would immediately come in and be the front runner. That is what we would be told by the media. Vivek, who's actually created a name for himself? Nope. Nikki Haley, that very serious Indian woman, neocon? No. Mike Pence, who used to be vice president? Nope. Tim Scott, the only black guy? No. Here's Glenn Youngkin. He's here to replace Ron DeSantis. So he gets all of Ron DeSantis's points, plus some of other people's points, because Glenn Youngkin is just so popular. Let's run the polls. Oh, it's Glenn Youngkin emerging as the clear and dominant favorite. We should just put him up against Donald Trump. Hey, let's do an interview between Youngkin and Trump. And let's just say that Glenn Youngkin won. Hey, everybody. Glenn Youngkin has all the momentum going into the first primary. Hey, look at that. Glenn Youngkin didn't have the popularity to beat Trump in Iowa and New Hampshire, where Trump is well-established and the Iowa caucus just doesn't allow for that sort of thing. But he sure did beat him in South Carolina. And that gives Glenn Youngkin all the momentum he needs to go on and win the nomination over Donald Trump. He slid right in there at the last minute and he was the savior. He saved the Republican establishment from having to nominate Donald Trump. Watch them try it. They're telling you they're going to try it. Think about how these people are acting and what they're saying. Does it seem like they think Ron DeSantis has any chance? No, of course they don't think that because Ron DeSantis doesn't have any chance and they're never going to convince the American public that he does. And that means everything because the primary is fake. They need people to believe that these results will influence their lives. They can't have people losing their faith in the primary process because then they'll lose their faith in the general election process. And if they don't have faith in the process, then they won't go along with the winners we give them. And then their whole system is exposed. And when it's exposed, it breaks down because no one other than truly devout communists wants to live in a world where we are not allowed to weigh in on the government that rules us. So they can't clear out the other competitors for Ron and give him an open field to just go up against Donald Trump. So Ron is going on Sean Hannity to propose a debate with Donald Trump to bait Donald Trump into a debate with Ron DeSantis, as if Trump needs to lower himself to that. That challenge means nothing. Ron can't even make his way through the other six people on that stage. He can't get the others to drop out. So he's trying to challenge Donald Trump 
in what would be a de facto version of that. And that's not going to work. The donors and the party apparatus are looking for someone else. There might not be time to get to anyone else. And Ron is going to ultimately implode. The country knowing about election fraud makes it impossible for people like Ron DeSantis, who have covered it up, to ever have careers again in the future. Now, maybe Ron DeSantis used his little state agency to record all the election fraud and it will all be solved as some part of this eventually. And I would retract all my statements about him if that were true. But until that's true, Ron DeSantis is part of the problem in covering up the fact that our country was usurped. That makes Ron DeSantis complicit in treason, helping a global regime subvert the United States of America. That's not some light claim, I understand, but it is absolutely true in every word and the country will understand that in the future when they know our elections are stolen and we ain't that far off. There is nothing working for them, either technically or narratively, that is going to allow them to get rid of Donald Trump. If they somehow deprive him of the nomination, he will just go third party or write in and win that way. Donald Trump's base is bigger than half the country and far more motivated. And that's true right now. A year from now, it's not going to be anywhere close. If Donald Trump has to win that way, he can win that way because ultimately only real lawful votes count and neither the uniparty right nor the uniparty left can beat MAGA in a legitimate election scenario. Another completely false uniparty right argument. There is nothing that can convince the American public that any of these people could beat Donald Trump in a primary. And on the Democrat side, it looks like they've realized that there's no way they're going to be able to convince the American public that Joe Biden could defeat Donald Trump in a general election. That was the big claim from all the DeSantis people, all the non-DeSantis Biden supporters who pretend that Biden really was that popular, still have to explain how the propaganda and the censorship and the indictments work and Donald Trump is still winning in all the polls over Biden if Biden really is that popular and started with such a massive voting base. If Donald Trump and MAGA were what you are told they are by the uniparty left and the uniparty right, none of what's happening could be happening. This could not be happening if Joe Biden had 81 million real lawful American votes and he was still popular and doing a good job. This couldn't be happening if Ron DeSantis was really the best governor ever and everyone loved him and everyone hated Trump and everyone knew Trump can't win. None of those things are true. None of those explanations are true. None of those stories are working, which means that those stories should be abandoned by smart people, including the ones trying to defeat Donald Trump. Those stories don't work. They're never going to work. It doesn't matter how many times you tell them. It doesn't matter how many versions of them you tell. They don't work. They've already failed. People don't believe them. The vector of belief is moving away from the central narrative, not toward it. Any of these beliefs that are already unacceptable to the public will only become more unacceptable. They will not somehow just reverse and gain everyone's belief. The people who know the 2020 election was stolen are not going to be like, oh, you know what? 
Come to find out that election wasn't stolen. Joe Biden really did receive 81 million real lawful American votes. Gosh, I didn't think they could prove that, but they did. That's not going to happen. If they were going to prove that that happened, they could have done it at any point within the last few years. And they didn't do it because they can't do it. None of these beliefs are going to change direction. The people come more toward Donald Trump, not the other way around. The worst things that could have ever happened to Donald Trump, the lost election, the pandemic, the very violent insurrection, and whatever they're making up and claiming now, thinking that's going to work. None of it worked. The worst things that have ever been thrown at a politician in this country in all of time, by far times a hundred didn't work. The story doesn't turn around and go in the other direction. At any point, it is never going to. It's not going to work for Ron DeSantis, and it's not going to work for any of the rest of them. That is why they are now just begging Donald Trump to engage them directly in front of everybody. They want Donald Trump's spotlight, thinking that they have some death blow in store. Once the country hears me say this straight to Donald Trump's face, it's all going to turn around. These people are embarrassing. It is shameful what they're doing. And they don't realize it and their supporters don't realize it. But everyone else who actually understands what's going on right now realizes it. There's a reason why Donald Trump's poll numbers and popularity go up when he gets indicted. It's because the people are awake. They see what's going on. Listen to how pathetic this is. And I want to look at that camera right now and tell you, Donald, I know you're watching. You can't help yourself. I know you're watching. Okay. And you're not here tonight. Not because of polls and not because of your indictments. You're not here tonight because you're afraid of being on the stage and defending your record. You're ducking these things. And let me tell you what's going to happen. You keep doing that. No one up here is going to call you Donald Trump anymore. We're going to call you Donald Duck. All right. I mean, what in the world is he talking about? He thought that would work. That didn't work. They tried going after Trump a few times last night. Did the room erupt? In applause? No, there was a smattering of applause. And these candidates had their own supporters there. Ron DeSantis had his wife, Casey, just right there front and center. And next to her was a woman named Carol Markowitz, who works for the New York Post and pretends to be an objective journalist, just palling around with the DeSantites. And by the way, Josh Hammer, who is the opinion editor at the New York Post, is a DeSantis simp. Now, hey, maybe it's all an info op, but all we can tell right now is that he's saying the same brain dead things the rest of the DeSantis simps are saying. Rick Grinnell called out that woman this morning, Carol Markowitz, over on X parentheses, formerly Twitter, about how she clearly was not objective at all and was just a DeSantis supporter. And she began blocking everybody who would agree, which, of course, includes me. Chris Christie tried a couple of jokes last night. And he made this ridiculous face at the end of them. Like, do you guys get it? Do you get it? Or do you need me to explain it to you? Just like kind of shrinking into his body, like a little smirk on his face. Like, oh, I'm joking. You can tell I'm joking, right? It's funny because them begging Donald Trump to come join the debate is them telling the nation 
how small and insignificant they are. The nation is watching them be small and insignificant and whiny, watching them interrupt each other. And then Chris Christie, and I'm going to play in just a second, Ron DeSantis, just come out and say it. Donald Trump, you belong here debating with us, even though we're all losers and no one even takes us seriously. They are confirming for the country that they truly are that irrelevant, that this really is a sideshow. And in terms of hurting the party, in terms of empowering Joe Biden, let's close this out with Ron DeSantis's big moment of last night, where he simultaneously tried to call out Donald Trump and blamed inflation on Donald Trump rather than on Joe Biden. So please spare me uh, the crocodile tears for these people. They need to change what's going on. And where's Joe Biden? He's completely missing in action from leadership. And you know who else is missing in action? Donald Trump is missing in action. He should be on this stage tonight. He owes it to you to defend his record where they added $7.8 trillion to the debt. That set the stage for the inflation that we have. Now, I can tell you this, as governor of Florida, we cut taxes, we ran surpluses, we've paid down over 25% of our state debt, and I vetoed wasteful spending when it came to my desk. And as your president, when they send me a bloating spending bill that's going to cause your prices to go up, I'm going to take out this veto pen and I'm going to send it right back to them. So Donald Trump, who we support because he will eventually remove us from the global regime's financial system, is the bad guy because the national debt went up while he was president based on a bunch of spending priorities that were not his while he's transferring the global economy. And that is supposed to make us hate him. Now, I'm aware people would interpret that in other ways. To which we would respond, okay, go with that. Believe that and see where it ends up for you. This is why I say this to them. Okay, just believe that. Believe what you want. Believe what you want. Be wrong again for another six months or nine months or a year or two years or three years, however long you want. Just keep being wrong for as long as you want. I know it's too hard for you to believe the thing you're being told. Therefore, you think it means that thing's impossible. And then in the future, when you find out it's right, you'll say it wasn't proven back then when those guys were saying it. It was a conspiracy theory back then. Keep being wrong. Keep misunderstanding how the world works. All we can do is try to tell you what's happening. I'm not going to spend my day trying to convince you that my position is correct. Let's go ahead and just let reality show everyone. But Donald Trump, he's supposed to be there. He's supposed to answer for all of this to the American people. Ron just can't stop whining. He sounds small. He sounds bitchy and petty and irrelevant. Ooh, I'm going to take out my veto pen. He actually brought a pen as a prop and pulled it out and said, I'm going to take out my veto pen. I guess he was hoping for His picture on the front page tomorrow, Ron DeSantis calls out Donald Trump for his spending, promises to veto any package that size. Oh, what a made for TV moment Ron tried to produce. And as soon as he finished that little section, he made another one of those awful faces where he tries to contort his own mouth so that it looks confident and not really smiling, but maybe a little smirking. 
And instead, Ron just ends up looking completely inauthentic. And of course, the DeSantis simps thought that this was Ron's best moment of the night. So they cut it off the clips, all the clips right after he finishes speaking as soon as they can to make sure that that face isn't how that video ends. And all that Trump spending, of course, well, that was for the whole COVID thing. Ron and his simps think that they have a gotcha. It hasn't worked for 10 and a half months, but they think they have it. I talked about all that at length last week with the Megyn Kelly interview, but the COVID stuff against Donald Trump doesn't work. The COVID spending stuff against Donald Trump is not going to work even as much as the other stuff and the other stuff doesn't work at all. But don't believe me. Don't believe the polls. Don't believe your lying eyes. Just keep listening to Con Inc. Media. Fire up the Daily Wire. Fire up the Blaze. Fire up Dave Rubin. Put on all those centrist podcasts like Joe Rogan. Listen to the Intellectual Dark Web. All of the podcast sphere from 2016. Listen to all of them. They haven't been right about absolutely anything, whereas we are continuously right in advance by a lot. But sure, they're the smart ones. They're the truth tellers. Keep listening to them and keep watching these debates, pretending that they're real and then discuss them in detail. Flesh out all the important moral differences about the details of this complete and total fiction. Go ahead and give us a long think piece on why the Night King really should have pursued a different strategy in Game of Thrones. Because that's basically what we're watching today. People are analyzing all of this as if it's real. It's not real. There's nothing real at the end of this road. These people are competing to win, in quotes, a fake and rigged election, hoping to then win another fake and rigged election. And in the meantime, they're staging a TV show that can't even be taken seriously by the people involved in it. They talk over one another all their petty little grievances and the impressive things they think they've come up with that make other people very impressed. Ooh, I'm going to say the thing about Ukraine that's slightly different than the other people. Oh, they're going to like mine the best. The Fox moderators are a joke. The entire production is a joke. The lead up to it is a joke. Advertisers don't even want to pay for it because they know no one's going to watch it. But sure, let's all analyze it as though it's real. Let's at least pretend to that extent there really was a debate, except what if the candidates knew what would be asked? What if all the narratives before the debate about there needing to be fewer candidates on stage was part of something coordinated with the network that just a little while after asked each one of them to let everyone know which candidate should be voted off the island? Was that coordinated? Hell, if I know, could it have been coordinated? Yeah, absolutely. And who was the guy who stepped up trying to be all different and protect everybody once again? That was Ron DeSantis. Do I know that that was inauthentic and that Ron DeSantis wasn't actually trying to protect everybody from the mean people's bad question like he did last time when it came to climate change? Well, no, I don't know that. But he's totally inauthentic the rest of the time, so I can guess. All we have to do is look at reality in front of our eyes as it emerges and say what we think about it. 
Do you believe that these are real people trying to really be president of a real nation that has real elections? And if you can say yes, by all means, stick with the central narrative and keep believing it. I cannot say yes. And so I'm not going to pretend that the answer is yes and then analyze what happened as though it's all real and important. It's not real and it's not important. Donald Trump gave a barn burner of a speech in front of the auto workers. That's real. That's important. And why is he doing it? Because he's not a sideshow. He's the duly elected president. And it doesn't matter whether or not you believe it right now. It's true regardless. And you'll be the one bearing the weight of your silence. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!